This episode of Tech Kamasala is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Enter the coupon code POD124 to get 10% off on all hosting plans. Go to GoDaddy.TheIndicast.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Tekka Masala, a technology podcast from an Indian perspective. This is episode number 13, Bye Bye Internet Explorer, for March the 8th, 2009. I'm your host, Aditya, and along with me, I have the the cool Sakit. Hi, guys. Hey, so we are going to be soon uploading Sakit's pictures up on Indica's uh, website as a contributor to, you know, Tekka Masala. And, uh, you know, Sakit, you have sent me some interesting options. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, so so uh, yeah, it'll be great. You you guys can go ahead and check it out and uh, tell me if you like the photos out there. Talking about photos, back in November 2008, Space Application Center of ISRO had announced a launch of satellite mapping tool called the Buwan, which was nothing but uh, a Google Earth-like application. And uh, a couple of days back, ISRO again announced that the release was going to be delayed. No, but I think it is uh, releasing in March 2009, I guess. Uh, it was supposed to release in March 2009, but then the director, P.J. Raman, the director of National Remote Sensing Center, which is NRSC, came out and said that, you know, the content generation is taking a lot of time and uh, we are doing this internal evaluation before we go out uh, for a public launch. So they have slightly pushed back the date, but they, ha- they have not uh, told us when the launch date is going to be. Uh, there are some interesting things about the, this project. As compared to Google Earth, which uh, has uh, zoom levels up to 200 meters, uh, this project claims to have images which will have zoom levels of 10 meters, which is uh, which is a huge, uh, huge, huge increase. Yeah. And at the same time, while Google promises the single layer imaging, uh, they plan to do multi layer imaging here. And I, I, I don't know what that means though right now. Multi layer imaging and all those things. Do you have any idea? No, I, I think they, they would uh, photograph the same area uh, from different heights and then try and arrive at some sort of a composite uh, image. It'll be interesting to see what these guys come up with. And by the way, just to give you some additional information, ISRO is going to do all the photographing using Indian satellite itself. So Google buys all these high image resolutions from a service provider called GOI, but Indians are going to go use their own satellites. The names of those satellites are Cartosat 1 and Cartosat 2. Uh, Isn't there going to be an uh, online portal as well for accessing these services for free? They were going to have that earlier, but what the press release a couple of days back, Jay Raman, again the director of NRSC, has said that we won't be launching a desktop application as of now or making the information available to public, but that might be be the case in the future. So, but again, no dates given. No, I understand that there is a lot of research research being done by several government agencies. And uh, I mean, we have things like uh, uh, cloning cars and things like that. But uh, my question here is that with with heavy, with with huge ISO projects like, uh, uh, let's say, Chandrayaan or I mean, and this now, I don't you think too much money is being spent on things which uh, can wait uh, 
with respect to the current economic conditions and the deficit that we seem to be carrying uh, not not to mention other things which typically jola wala will talk about i mean uh, urban poverty and then the works yeah but you know what frankly to to i have a very clear opinion about that i think spending on these things should continue in spite of this what condition that we are in because at the end of the day it is you know projects like these that are going to stimulate the the scientific community in india they are going to stimulate the young people who are just in their colleges right now they want something to work on remember back during the space exploration days when the whole space wars were going on between us and russia that was the time when a tremendous amount of scientific talent was on display and later on what happened was right now in us there are no such projects being happening there is not enough to stimulate the science community out there so i feel this has to go on and you this, you cannot take short term views on this here so so basically it's all in interest of progress and talking about progress the mobile sector in india is seeing some progress i mean we have been talking about uh, uh, mobile number portability for a while and uh, it is now seen that some concrete actions are taken on that front next news story we have states that uh, two companies telecordia and cineverse uh, have been awarded mandates for managing mobile number portability in india to give our listeners a background is what n- mobile number portability is basically that it means you ca- you get to retain your mobile number even if you change cell phone providers so for example right now i am using an airtel number i have number 12345 and i want to move to uh, a vodafone number i have an option to carry the same existing number to a different service provider okay this also goes in case of moving from prepaid subscribers to a, becoming a postpaid subscriber think mobile number portability i mean is 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 more of a consumer right and at the same time it also is a market equalizer because uh, typically in mobile telephony a lot of people uh, buy mobile phones from a certain provider who gets to come in first and the providers who come uh, come next uh, even though they might offer better services people hesitate to switch to them because they are afraid of losing their numbers so this uh, kind of levels the field so so to get into the story the country has been segmented into two zones now uh, the policy is to award each zone to an individual provider as of now these zones will consist of 11 licensed uh, service areas uh, each with uh, uh, each zone having one metro within the zone so i mean right now two uh, two contracts have been awarded one of them has been awarded to a company called telecordia which runs a company called mnt interconnection telecom solutions which is an indian joint venture and another company called cineverse technologies has also been given the mandate to manage the number portability yes telcordia is going to take care of operations in south and east of india and cineverse is going to manage the north and west uh, which i suppose is the most densely populated mobile circles you know west has mumbai and then north has delhi so cineverse has that uh, has its task cut out for them all right and and it's very interesting about the service levels that were defined in the contract itself from a consumer standpoint the entire process of porting a number should not take more than two working days with a 2 hour break in service so p- companies who can promise those service levels were only allowed to bid and uh, let's see if you know they manage to adhere to these service levels let's hope so so you going to you planning on changing your cell phone numbers I mean, uh, your your service provider, your provider. Yes, yes, yeah. I'm, I, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of sick with that too, but uh, you never know. I mean, uh, the grass is always green on the other side. <laughs> I know, and actually, I I have gone through the number portability in the US, and it works seamless. There were no problems, but 
to in india i would it will be interesting as to how it happened so let's let's see we will probably have to report back on that if we get any complaints uh, later on uh, in the year okay so we'll keep an eye on that so mo- before moving on to the next topic saket we have we finally have a sponsor for tekka masala godari.com right. yeah godari.com has decided to sponsor our uh, tekka masala show and if you want to make an impact online godari.com has what you need .com names as low as dollar 199 plus world class hosting fast and easy website builders and a lot more out there plus godari.com has hosting plans that will fit anybody's requirements right from you know saket from your personal websites if you want to host a blog or even if you are thinking about starting a new tech startup you want to have you want to first start start off small by having a, a virtual private server then move on to a dedicated box godaddy can hook you up with that uh, plus for tech masala listeners they have given us a coupon code which uh, our subscribers can use on checkout the coupon code is pod124 that is pod124 please use that while you are checking out and save an additional 10% on your web hosting order get your piece of the internet at godaddy.com some restrictions apply check site for details obviously so moving on to the next story uh, saket you mentioned everyone and their aunts were getting into app store and guess what rim also steps into the fight yeah so now rim i think has officially announced uh, their centralized portal uh, called the blackberry app world now apparently this is already there but uh, this was fairly restricted and it is called uh, the blackberry application center and i think it it was available in the storm i guess but but now it, the, the, the uh, rim has announced uh, a full fledged app store called uh, blackberry app world and uh, it has got many interesting features and they plan to have all sorts of applications including uh, games social network apps personal productivity apps and uh, so much more for the entire uh, blackberry range Yeah so BlackBerry app world is going to be is compatible only with smartphone operating systems 4.2 and up or with uh, BlackBerry smartphones having trackballs or sure press touch screen is what they say and that, this is the technology that is available in Storm I don't know is Storm available in, no, in India I think Storm is available in India. Vodafone sells it, and uh, with respect to OS 4.2, because I, even I use a BlackBerry, this means that uh, uh, from 8700 onwards, upwards, all phones, all phones will be supported. Which is pretty much all the phones that people are probably using right now, right? Yes. But there's one thing here. Uh, as against the iPhone App Store, uh, the store will also have free apps and paid apps. Uh, the minimum limit, uh, or rather the minimum amount uh, for any application on the Apple uh, Store, is uh, essentially 99 cents. But BlackBerry App World minimum app cost has to be two dollars ninety-nine. Yeah, and uh, of course there's a free option as well. But if someone has to go, has to charge you, they have to start from two ninety-nine. Yeah, and apparently the pricing is tiered, so you can either sell an app for two ninety nine, or three ninety nine, or four ninety nine, so on until nine ninety nine dot ninety nine. So which means that you can't sell an application above thousand dollars. But I'm sure you wouldn't want to either. Yeah, I know. You know, BlackBerry being a, a work device more than a personal device, it'll be really, really cool to see what business applications do people come up with. I'm sure you're not going to find all those, you know, much talked about iFart application, which is, which has rocked the. iPhone App Store you won't probably get those sort of uh, applications on BlackBerry 
or in consequential applications like i am rich an application which costed 999 dollars on the iphone and all it showed uh, was a pink glowing crystal on your screen yeah in fact in fact if, you know what i take my words back if the iphone application comes on the blackberry platform board meetings are going to be a lot more fun i think i guess so <laughs> and probably these companies need some fun in their board meetings right now given the downturn but in the meantime someone who is not having a good time at all is twitter.com right now with all the hype that it is getting apparently around 750 accounts got hacked and people started getting spam tweets to their account So this is essentially the second security incident at Twitter in the past two months. A couple of months back, a lot of celebrities got their accounts hacked, uh, uh, and the hacking was done by uh, by uh, compromising some administrative tools which Twitter customer service people uh, used for handling uh, forgot password requests or changing email address requests and so on and so forth. Yeah, it was actually done by an 18-year-old guy who hacked uh, a Twitter. customer service reps account and then you know got in and then hacked 35 high profile accounts apparently so this happened in january yeah and now this happened i mean now here the 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 mode for the hacking is not uh, uh, clear but it, it appears to also have been a phishing attack because the service which is being spammed uh, has previously shown itself to transfer through phishing attacks in im which is in right. google talk or yahoo or places like that what what basically happened in this attack was if your friend's account got hacked you received a tweet with a link which uh, which you know basically promised a good session of chatting with a 23 year old woman on a webcam uh, believe me no 23 year old woman wants to chat with you on a webcam ever <laughs> see the so, so that see that, the thing that, is that attack i think the po- the point is that the women don't want to chat but the men do and there you have these services yeah so I think this was just a simple uh, trick to drive traffic plus I think they were also uh, they also wanted to get your Google or Gmail passwords and usernames right once you clicked on this link it took you to a page where you had to enter your Google accounts but now let's move on to a Microsoft story apparently Microsoft seems to be softening its stand on removing Windows component we had spoken about this probably in the last episode and about uh, how google had joined in the in europe to pile up against ie8 and ask microsoft to take ie8 out of its operating system microsoft is finally saying you know what we are going to allow, we are going to give you the option to do it yourself so this is actually a fresh move from microsoft uh, microsoft always told the line that uh, browser or even uh, other applications have been an integral part of the operating system and therefore cannot be removed i mean that is something which the doj trial was based upon and uh, but i guess once bitten that why shy and i mean they, they they guess they have enough market share uh, to actually uh, allow users an option to remove ie7 or, or sorry ie8 from the systems if they so desire I mean, if I if you look at it from a business standpoint, I I think it's a very pragmatic move because I mean uh, the kind of users uh, Microsoft is banking on to 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 keep I will, will any case not go to all those options and go great lengths to remove the browser. Yeah, exactly. To in, in fact to remove I8, it takes about two reboots and a configuration step to complete. So, but also on the other hand, will you exercise this option? 
uh, of course I will. I mean, I think every Windows user should exercise this option. But I mean, uh, the, I mean, it's a matter of personal choice, of course. But uh, I, I think uh, there are much better browsers out there. And every time there's a uh, browser browser benchmarking test carried out, it's revealed that uh, all IEs are slower than uh, you know, Firefoxes and Google Chrome's of the world. So, so certainly, mean, certainly, there are other options available. But why do you have to go through to the lens of uninstalling something? Because I personally, there, there are few things that just work on an Internet Explorer. For example, in, in enterprises, all, all SAP related applications require Internet Explorer. So I understand that, but the, the, the thing is that, okay, you, you have an option to install something else, but I wouldn't go to me. And again, that this is a personal choice. I wouldn't go to the extent of uninstalling Internet Explorer because you might need it for something. It's already there. Plus, when, when Microsoft is saying uninstalling, they don't you are not getting additional space on your hard disk. Okay, they are just removing the link to the application. That is what it seems like at least right now. No, they are removing the application itself. They are removing iExplore.exe, uh, the primary executable. So even though the rendering in your space, uh, the browser itself goes away. I mean, I mean, this really depends on how much of a power user you are and how much uh, software do you want on your system which you don't use, uh, how comfortable you are, and are you are you comfortable enough to remove uh, those apps which are you know popular and uh, but you don't use, or are you even more comfortable and you want to go to the level of removing system applications? It just really depends on what kind of a user you are. So this is just like an option I think Microsoft has given, and, and I think uh, on the whole it's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, agreed. But what what I am afraid of is that now Internet Explorer, uh, sorry, iExplorer is available as an API in Windows itself. So will removing Internet Explorer cause any problems in the operating system itself? There might be hooks which might be going through, you know, iExplorer, which gives you access to uh, the Internet. Or, or applications might be getting access to the internet using the API available in. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a, I, I know what you're what you saying, it's a bad browser, people should be uninstalling it and all those things. But the US Department, the US DOJ Department of Justice has been tracking Windows 7 for over a year and DOJ has required Microsoft to submit Windows 7 for antitrust review. The same thing happened in, in European Commission's Directorate General for competition that notified Microsoft for violations of European laws since 1996. And this is what we spoke about last time. So I think Microsoft has just made the sensible move of saying, okay, you know what, if you want to take it away, just take it away. And that's fair enough, actually. That's fair enough. But yeah, I don't see myself removing the application as such. But it's, it's good to have the perspective from your side that you would go that length. Moving on to the next uh, story, I guess. Uh, yeah. This one is also about a browser. It's about a browser that I have tried and abandoned. It I'm talking about Flock browser, which is basically a web, which was basically pitched uh, as a web 2.0 browser for people who are, you know, really into web 2.0 services like Dig, Flickr, and YouTube. This is an, this was an ideal uh, browser for them, but uh, finally they have decided to and and Flock was built on top of Firefox. Alright, so what they have decided to do right now is move away, they are divorcing Firefox and, you know, going to the new lovely lady available at Google, which is Google Chrome. I have personally used Flock, this was back when I was a Linux user and uh, somehow uh, found Flock prettier and uh, more feature-rich as compared to regular Firefox. And I, I would say that some features were fairly neatly implemented, but uh, I think what was plaguing the browser then was uh, the fact that at times it just got too bloated. 
So yes. with, with this move, I mean, if it happens and if Flock moves to Chrome, maybe there there will be a performance improvement. But then why are they moving to Chrome itself? Why don't they move to WebKit and build, start building on WebKit? That with which which is what and that is what Chrome is using. No, they obviously will not move to Chrome as a Chrome browser. They'll use the they'll use Chrome's version of the WebKit. So it's that there are there's not just one WebKit going around. So when they say Google Chrome, they mean that the the Chrome WebKit. The the way Flock earns its money is through the search engines, right? So and all browsers do. I all, guess. all browsers, ah, yeah. Firefox, so Firefox makes, also does. Firefox makes a killing on the search results that it provides to Google, and that is that is how it is surviving. So in in and Flock in the past has said that all they need is tens of millions of users to score big dollars from search engine users. They have pitched that each active user generates about five dollars in search engine revenue. Do you think that they are moving to Chrome, Google Chrome, to get better Google dollars? I guess this has to be something to do with that as well. I mean, it's not just about performance, or it's not just about because uh, actually, if you look at uh, platform compatibility, they are actually making a retrograde move. I mean, as of now, Firefox, bloated as it may be, it is still available on Windows. It's available on the Mac and certainly on Linux as well. But Chrome, for now, is a Windows-only product. Yeah, because you know another thing, Saket, that I um, that I realized while I was going through the story was that. Flock users, when they log on to, your, to, to a website, they re, Flock reports itself as a Firefox uh, browser. Okay, you don't in in the statistics you don't get Flock as a separate option. By doing this, is Google wanting to increase its market share just, just from a from a reporting perspective, so that think, Chrome? I think that has to be it. That has to be it. Yeah, because Flock might start reporting itself as Google Chrome, and obviously all those existing Flock users. Will report themselves as Chrome, which is the easiest way of getting market share now, isn't it? I think that's a real move on Google's part if that is the case. Yeah, it's it's good for Flock, it's good for Chrome. Hey, you know what? You help me, I help you, sort of thing. And another complaint that these guys had was that Firefox isn't being responsive to their needs, and I don't know what their what those needs were, but uh, that that was quoted as one of the reasons that they wanted to move Chrome. All right. I guess they wanted more attention from the development team. I guess I see a business angle in this, Saket. My conspiracy mind has gone towards that now. Yeah, it, it happened for the green. But anyways, everybody is going after the green, and so is Flickr. At least, no, Flickr isn't making a lot of profit, is it? No, Flickr. I I don't think they're making money or not. But ah, uh, with uh, yeah, with that background, Flickr, Flickr had introduced video sometime uh, last year, which was available only. For its pro users, so pro users could upload videos onto Flickr as well. And now they have just announced that it's going to be available for all users. But then again, it is available in the typical Flickr style, in the sense that even if uh, for, for pro users, the maximum time for any video can be 90 seconds or less. Yeah. Uh, so while pro users can, you know, upload uh, unlimited 90 second or less videos, pro users can only upload up to two videos a month. Now, now I think that's a very paltry amount. That, I mean, this has to be a joke. Okay. First of all, I don't know why Flickr wants to get into video because it's already making a loss with video. You are talking even more bandwidth. Okay, I I had heard a a number as high as dollar one million that Flickr is losing out on the bandwidth that it is dishing out. Ninety second videos are crazy to begin with. So. Yeah, I, why uh, would you want even for pro users, right? If you want me to use your service, you cannot put restrictions on me. I mean restrictions as hard as 90 seconds. 90 seconds is nothing, Sakit. 
I don't really understand the strategy, and uh, I mean, moreover, I don't really understand Yahoo's strategy here because I mean, like, uh, what with Cavibards having recently consolidated the, the company and uh, brought several products into one common head and started out a strategy and all of that. So, uh, if this is uh, Yahoo's strategy, then it isn't looking any good. Yeah, exactly. I don't think they should have gone into videos at all. And uh, what, however, what I think they sh- could have done is an option, and I don't know if they're already doing this, where pro users could actually sell their photos online. So basically convert Flickr into a stock photo website. That would be a good revenue option. You give, uh, you, you, you provide a feature where a photographer can set a price for a particular photo. So if I have a brilliant photo, I can put it at $5. And, and Yahoo could make money on those microtransactions the way Apple is doing. That could be an option for them. I mean, I'm not here just to bitch about what they're doing wrong, but they could have tried this thing out. Yahoo, you're, 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 the idea is out there. You're free to pick it up. Uh, I'll expect a check of nearly $50,000. Okay? That's a smart business move. That's a smart business. It's not going to happen. It's a, but just think about it, guys. You know what? Just think about it. So, moving on to the next and the last topic, another blunder by Google. And this time, it is the... Google Apps team that has done the mistake. So what happened, and this is this is a very fresh news. This came in, I just read about this 30 minutes before getting into the recording. What basically happened is that now Google Apps is a place, Google Documents, I'm sorry, not Google Apps. Google Documents is a service where you can upload your documents, uh, documents like PowerPoint presentations, uh, Word document, Excel. You have an option to edit them online. You have an option to collaborate, to share them with your friends, with your contacts. And so, you know, it's a collaborative platform. Now, what happened was, if you had an Excel sheet on your account, on Google Documents, and it just inadvertently got shared with all your contacts. Let me, let me just clarify a bit more than that, okay? So, this is how it worked. If you had, if Saket, I had shared a, a PowerPoint presentation or a Word document with you, on Google document, you also got access to the Excel file which which was there on my account to which I had not provided you access. So which you mean that basically sharing a doc file or a PPT file with anyone automatically grants that pers- person permission to access and view all your Excel files. That is correct. That, that See, again, you put it very concisely, that is what happened. And, you know, Google came out saying that this was just an isolated incident and it has affected less than 0.05% of all documents. Now, now percentage-wise, it seems like nothing. But when you're talking about 0.05% of all documents on Google Apps or Google Documents, I would imagine that, that, that we are talking about millions of documents. I think it's not even about the extent of damage. It's just about uh, the credibility of Google. I mean, like Google has been pushing people to adopt uh, Google Apps as, uh, I mean, as a business platform and making that a paid service and so on and so forth. They've got SLAs in place and they've got uh, different things in place. But, but whatever the case may be, this is scary from a business standpoint. It's a scary. It's scary from a business standpoint because Google uh, itself is pitching this service as something that a medium-sized company could use. Now, you know, all these things could be a big problem if companies can't rely on the security of their data. I mean, just imagine if you had shared a document with a supplier of yours and 
your annual report maintained in an excel file or your cash flow statement maintained in an excel file was also inadvertently shared with that guy this is actually scary because i mean i mean i work for webtesting and uh, we have google uh, apps implemented across the organization so i mean this is something which as a progressive company we already do so spell it well for us we have the smartest of the smartest people working out here i just know what's what's going wrong with uh, google it's just they're just having a first bad i mean a, a bad first quarter here a lot of major goof ups they need to get their act together i feel i don't know so yeah, you know yeah. it, it, these are just too many mistakes for a company to do that that thrives yeah. on its uh, privacy policies or as such uh, those were the topics that we had for this particular episode uh, saket do you have anything else to add we have twitter accounts which uh, you can follow us on can be followed on twitter.com/valturo and aditya can be followed on twitter.com/acmathre can uh, download this podcast of uh, theindicast.com or get it in itunes yeah get into itunes make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you don't have to log on to theindicast.com again and again just just subscribe to it on via itunes you will get a notification whenever we release a new episode that's the best way i would suggest to do this so you know don't forget to do that also we have given you if you are if you are thinking about buying some hosting space it will be great if you can use our coupon code give it to us by godaddy which is pod124 which will not only give you 10% discount but you know we will also get some credit for passing business to godaddy uh, that's about it bye 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 guys ಬೋಧರ ಸೋಹೆ ಭುಜಾಚಾರ ಏಕ ದಂತ ಚಂದ್ರಮಾಲ ಲಾಟ ರಾಧೆ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮ ವಿಷ